Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Comics like a clown. No doses, all pages. Bagging, boarding Batman in the gutter like amazing storytellers. We some fellas. We some felons. is amazing. Acapella, Vericella, because this shit is so contagious. Mouse on the summaries. Compiling out the show. While the cycle spitting knowledge on the Yeti like a pro. Keep the babble. We the rabble. Don't step to the squad. We get active and haters like a cephalopod. You don't like this. Fish talk, do you hate a tomato? We the cuttlefish killers, tentacles on the table. Greatest five stars if you cherish your life. Bucky Barnes hit squad spraying lead in your pipe. Hey everybody, welcome to Is This Just Bad? Is This Just Bad? The best podcast you never heard of. I'm your host, Professor Mouse. Joined, not today, CB Cosmologist is just kidding, right here. <laughs> Faked you out. False alarm. Joined as always. As always. I'm here. Yeah. There, there was a possibility that you wouldn't get anything, that you would just get me rambling for 30 minutes this week. Old school. And you've been saved from that. Uh, I wonder. You're still going to ramble for 30 minutes, but I'm also going to ramble <laughs> for 30 minutes, and then it'll be an hour long. Yeah. I mean, we were just talking about the the list of stuff because we had a fun episode last week we both enjoyed it uh it was like you know there's two types of ep- there's three there's four there's many types of episodes that we do <laughs> <laughs> i was just thinking of all the different types sometimes we read lists <laughs> that's uh-huh. really that's real pr- premium content <laughs> remember when we read the monster list oh boy mm-hmm. you drove me insane <laughs> with a monster i should have guessed immediately yeah cthulhu you were like hmm what's a what's a famous monster i can't think of one i think you said like Wolfman, <laughs> yeah, mummies, ghouls. Yeah, that's perfect for Cthulhu though, because you know it's in the back of your head, driving you slowly insane. It's very on brand. Yeah, but we can't relitigate that. That was a perfect episode, and we can't, <laughs> we can't, we can't sully its uh, its good name. But sometimes there are episodes like last week where it just feels like you know we're doing an episode, and also we have a lot to talk about. We would have talked about anyway. And then this week we were talking about the shit that's going on. It's just like this all sucks. Like we don't, I mean, we don't want to talk about any of this, um, but we're gonna. So I guess this is the <laughs> dis- anyway. disclaimer to uh, turn this episode off. Uh, you gotta feed the content, beast, bro. Yeah, the content never stops. Show must go on. Okay, but I mean, let's. I think let's start with because uh, well, actually, I didn't think we would get any juice out of it, but. I, I think it is kind of important to to just remark on the Simone Biles thing because the little mm-hmm. back and forth we had I thought was enough of of she dropped out of the Olympics um, and it's fine and it should be like there's something happening I think right now with athletes because this also happened to Naomi Osaka this happened to Simone Biles uh, you know and it's happened to other athletes uh nba athletes in the bubble there's something about like performing at this incredibly high level um with all of these expectations and in the case of olympic athletes like 
for little to no compensation uh, mm-hmm. after a, you know a globally devastating pandemic that's just kind of like just mentally exhausting in addition to all of the other types of shit that they encounter in their careers i think there there's like a breaking point happening where when naomi osaka did it it was like wow i mean she's she's like the best and then simone biles is also the best like the goat the greatest gymnast of all time i was just like fuck this i can't i don't want to and it just kind of like mirrors my whole uh I have a semester coming up. I just don't want to do it. That mental yeah. exhaustion is fucking awful. The pandemic, after a year and a half of the pandemic with apparently no signs of slowing down, there is, it's not that none of this stuff has ever happened before. It's simply that it's all in high relief and happening at the same time. Where, you know, people have burned out before, but we haven't talked about it and i think there is this sea change where the pandemic broke that open for everyone and it's forced people to reevaluate and go like why am i doing this shit that i hate like why am i doing this thing always just because it's always been done Mm -hmm. just because it's been done that way why can't we reevaluate how things have been done because we've been locked into so many toxic unsustainable gameplay loops uh that you know, we did never had the chance to reevaluate because it was you know, kind of s- swim or die. And now that everyone's been forced to take a pause and reevaluate, the Olympics are there's so much hubris there. Of Tokyo, you know, we delayed it for a year, and then there are whole kinds of variants of the pandemic, and you know they're banning people from this from the even watching some of the Olympic. Uh, events in person because it's still not safe but we're sort of trudging forward with it anyway and the olympic committee which is a massively um corrupt institution to begin with and you know not to say even on a normal year the idea of winning and hosting the olympics can destroy a city's economy for decades yeah why you would ever want the olympics to come to your home i don't understand but this idea of like well, we said we were going to do it, and we've already—it's already been a year, so we have to do it now, despite the fact that it will destroy our economy, ruin our public transit system, and also potentially literally kill people during the pandemic. And then the athletes get there, and it's an empty stadium, and they've all been training for a year and a half, wearing masks or whatever, and are staring at this I'm like, "Why am I here? Like, why?" First of all, the rampant—I. The Olympics are cool in theory and terrible in practice. In theory, in the old school, like, it's a way of, it's like friendly competition, it'll replace war, you know, the idea of the Greek city-states stopping their infighting for a couple of weeks to go do this athletic exhibition is really cool, and the idea of, you know, brotherhood and competition, I think, is great. Um mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever watched G Gundam back in the day. Yeah, but the, uh, yeah, it's it's G Gundam. It's it's awesome. Yeah, you replace it's proxy war. But the problem of that, of course, is that all it really does, although it should be a way to like defang and de-escalate nationalist tensions, like you know, do games instead of war. All it ever shows is this 
sort of like gross nationalist you know you get the the russians and the americans and the chinese devoting a whole bunch of resources and expendable bodies to amassing records that don't matter Mm. and then we never come out of olympic games with a new renewed sense of brotherhood and shared humanity we come out of it with a bunch of you know whip it whipped up nationalist bravado and so simone biles of all people who have had you know the olympic committee has screwed her in terms of changing the rules on her because she's too good and you know grading her on a curve basically because it wouldn't be fair quote unquote to the other athletes because she's so much better than they are to represent the united states of all places which is you know massively racist to begin with like why would you do that like what stake does she have she's got nothing left to prove she's the best ever right it's incredible and impressive that she's just like nah enough of this yeah the ioc makes the wrong decision almost every time every time yeah without fail yeah every single time it's it's the Uh, what's the probably the worst organization uh i mean like they're all bad like what what is the ioc is 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 one of these like ioc and fifa right like yeah the ioc and and i think there's an overlap there but all of these multi-net, like, that's, like, the IMF and the fucking World Bank, like, that's, like, what... <laughs> they just operate with this absolute, like, fear of no consequences because they're this massive behemoth thing. And, and they come in and they, they ruin entire cities. It's like you were saying, like, I think that they were talking about having it in Los Angeles and, like, activists there are, like, absolutely not. Do, <laughs> don't come in here and, like, fucking destroy these neighborhoods by erecting olympic sized pools and shit like that so people can do 20 different types of strokes i saw something funny uh this guy uh this podcaster named sean clements wrote um he wrote a tweet where it was like why why let me just pull up the tweet because it's it's it 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 has to do with the very uh sort of minor alterations that are made to strokes in order to like create even more metal categories in uh, swimming so he said hot take it's insane that there are multiple swimming strokes strokes in the olympics if people ran around the track backwards to see who was the fastest backwards runner we'd think it was stupid (laughs) (laughs) because when you do like the freestyle the butterfly like all of these like the backstroke are all in the fucking olympics like the, Mm -hmm. the olympics is 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 stupid and this is one of his very few tweets that like went super viral. It got like twenty two thousand likes, and people were like in his mentions replying, being like, "It's about this." <laughs> it's just like, no, I, I don't, I, I forget that people actually give a shit about the Olympics. They actually care about the fucking Olympics. How, why? Yeah, and especially with swimming, like it's the same five people from each country. That's yeah. how Michael Phelps gets like fourteen medals because he just does. He moves his hands forty five degrees yeah. and then swims again. Yeah, and the in <laughs> the subsequent replies, he's like, "Everyone's missing the point. The point is that when you run in the Olympics, you 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 run with the form that's most optimal to move the quickest. Uh, right. And sw- and you run different distances. Yeah, and that yeah. and that's it. Yeah, and then in swimming." 
you do a dumb, stupid ass stroke where like there's no way to beat a a a freestyle with like a breaststroke. Like it's just impossible because it's such an inefficient way to swim. And it's just like the fucking Olympics keeps adding events and shit like that. I mean, they keep pushing for MMA to be in it. Like, who gives a shit? Like, we need to we need to start removing events. We need to start. Uh, we need to abolish the Olympics. <laughs> now, that's the thing is, I still like the Olympics in theory. If you could get to this like United Federation of Planets idea of it is truly a way to have friendly competition, but that's just not where we're at as a global society right now it always turns really gross yeah um i kind of like this mma idea of swimming though of like just swim however and see what's fastest <laughs> that's cool yeah yeah that, that would be great if they just did like uh built a really long pool at open weight swimming <laughs> just like do whatever yeah and so who, and whoever gets to the end of this pool the fastest is the winner uh because it is like I don't know, there, I, I can flip through the channels on like Sling TV mm-hmm. to see what's going on, and every time you turn on the Olympics, it's some fucking bonker shits going on. There's like weightlifting, like <laughs> people are shooting guns. There's like a I like sniper. The, I like thing. the weightlifting. Yeah, the weightlifting's cool to me. Like I like all of the classical ones. You know, like let's see how how big a thing you can lift see how far you can throw a thing like that feels very all the old school um sports that may have been in the in the original olympics i think are great and then a couple of modern ones i don't know if there's a viral thing going around of the russian um air pistol competitors and there's this one lady with like a witcher keychain um who is standing like an anime character (laughs) because they um for whatever reason, they discourage or ban two-handed stances for the air pistol events. Mm. And so she just looks like a total gangster. <laughs> it's very funny. Total badass. That's um, and, you know, though that's interesting because it's, you know, it's a modern event, obviously, but it's still like the ultimate in hand-eye coordination. So it's, yeah, it's an interesting physical feat, I suppose. Um, but yeah, when they start to like add skateboarding and stuff, I'm not sure <laughs> yeah. what the purpose is. It's, isn't it a sort of attempt to stay relevant? Is it an acknowledgement of, um, like what it means to be a modern athlete? I'm not sure what the mission statement of like adding a new event or even what the olympics are for anymore cuz i know what i want the Oli- i know what i want the olympics to be for in this in this like coming together in peace and harmony and you know showing the pinnacle of human physical achievement and i think that's why some athletes get into it but that the machines that they could become a part of to pad the trophy cases of countries that don't give a shit about them mm-hmm. sucks yeah do you want to know what the original games were like the original sports in the olympics yeah yeah yeah. it was like some kind of decathlon of swimming and wrestling and stuff right the, it was it was only a few things it was the general categories are running long jump shot put javelin boxing pancration and equestrian events those are like the umbrella 
basically just track and field and then a few, <laughs> a few other things. Uh, but they did the uh, pentathlon of running, jumping, discus, throw. Uh, there was a 200-meter foot race, 400-meter foot race, uh, and uh I don't know what the fuck this is. Adulchios ranging between seven and twenty-four stades. I guess that's a <laughs> unit of me- measurement. Unit of ancient Greek measurement. I don't know what that is. Yeah. Then there was uh, jumping. So athletes use stone or lead weights called halteres to increase the distance of a jump. They held onto the weights until the end of their flight and then jettisoned oh, them yeah. backwards. Whoa. Very cool. That is cool. They're like spaceships. (laughs) (laughs) They're getting rid of their ballast or whatever. Uh, Discus throw. Uh, The discus was originally made of stone and later of iron, lead, or bronze. The technique was very similar to today's freestyle discus throw. Yeah, probably just exactly the same. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, they didn't invent the breaststroke. They just always was like, this is how you throw it the most. (laughs) Yeah. They should, because they're talking about putting MMA in, they should just bring back, I don't know if it's pancreation or pancreaton, I've never known how to pronounce that, but that is the most badass of boxing adjacent sports, because it's like hardcore boxing, where you wrap yourself, you wrap your hands in gloves to increase the damage that you do, not decrease it. Yeah, well these, these old, I mean they're using these modern terms, but like, for instance, wrestling was... Uh, highly valued as a form of military exercise without weapons, so it's just melee combat. It ended mm-hmm. only when one of the contestants admitted defeat, uh, which is not how we do it now. That that means that a potential wrestling event could have lasted hours. Uh, <laughs> uh, for boxing, boxers wrapped straps around their hands to strengthen their wrists and steady their fingers. Initially, these straps were soft, but as time progressed, boxers started using hard leather straps, often causing disfigurement of their opponent's face. Uh, yep. I imagine that uh, the type of boxing they did was similar to the wrestling, like just beat the shit out of each other until someone says no. <laughs> uh, and then pancration was a primitive form of martial art combining wrestling and boxing and was considered to be one of the toughest sports. Uh, Greeks believed that it was found by Theseus when he defeated the fierce Minotaur in the labyrinth. Wow. Yeah, it's just that's just MMA. I like the idea of Theseus, like getting the Minotaur in a chokehold, <laughs> doing just doing MMA in the labyrinth. I mean, I feel like I feel like the Minotaur would have fucked him up, but <laughs> that's you think he's got like a size and weight advantage? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then... do that pro wrestling thing where you try to get him into a chokehold and they pick you up into a power bomb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and then the, the the last one is probably the coolest one that's not in the Olympics anymore is the goddamn chariot race. Yeah, nobody knows how to race a chair. I think the idea there is, like, Olympics have pretty much removed any sport that requires other... Well, it's not true, because they do horse stuff. They do do horse stuff, yeah. Yeah, they do, like, the horse dancing and the... Dressage. Equestri- the equestrian. So why don't they just put the fucking chariots back? I don't know. It's a good question. The chariot would be... I mean, it would be so stupid... That I would watch. I would I totally watch. Yeah. It. yeah, it would be dope. <laughs> These people are running around in chariots around a uh, around an Olympic stadium. Uh, yeah, that's so crazy. That's the way they got to re- rekindle interest. None of this like BMX biking. It's like no, force people to learn how to use a chariot again. Yeah, bring back pancreation. Absolutely. Bring back fucking the, the type of wrestling. To get forget the rule set. 
as long as you can. <laughs> yeah, last man standing. Absolutely. Uh, just let's do a Mortal Kombat, fellas. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So you know, that's that. But uh, somebody else who is who is who is unhappy with institutions is Scarlett Johansson. This is like mm-hmm. this is a crazy story because you'd think. Um, You'd think they would have figured this out before the movie was released, uh, but it's you would have. Disney, you know? <laughs> they are fucking terrible. So Did they just figure that they have, again, like the IMF, no consequences? Yeah, no. I mean, like, but uh, where's the lie? Do, do they have consequences? We'll see. I, I feel like... Uh, well, here's another story that came out that, that w- it kind of is related to this, is that... Uh, the morning show, the Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston show on H on or sorry on Apple TV Plus, mm-hmm. uh, was ten days into filming and they had to shut down production and they lost millions of dollars. Right? And, Is this COVID related? Yeah, it, it was like right at the beginning. They were they were I think they were filming in like March of 2020. Okay. And uh, but they had insurance on the production, right? And so they they went and they filed an insurance claim. It was denied, and. So now they're suing in, I think, like the the L.A. Circuit Court, I think the, in the U.S. District Court in Los Angeles uh, for damages. And I was reading the story and it's like nobody has gotten paid out of this. The courts have sided with the insurance companies 93 percent of the time, even though Whoa. people's businesses were fucked by COVID. And it's like. Why does why do we have insurance? Because I remember the same shit happened after Hurricane Katrina, where it was like mm-hmm. it was the flooding. It wasn't the you, you don't have flood insurance. You can't. Your house got all fucked up, and you pay us a bunch of money all, all, every month, but we're not going to give you anything because of this technicality. It's like it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't COVID. It's because you shut down production. That was your decision. <laughs> like the fuck? decision because of COVID. Yeah, that's such bullshit. Yeah, and but uh, terrible. But it's like, yeah, but the, the the there's all these workarounds and stuff like that, and shit's being litigated in court constantly. And it sucks that Scarlett Johansson has to do this, but I mean, this is the standard. Okay, so back up for a second because yeah. you didn't actually say what the story was. So the story is that Scarlett Johansson's payout for the movie Black Widow was based on box office returns, kind of, and or at least partially yeah and the box office she's getting like a cut of the box office receipts right yeah well so this is this is what variety is reporting uh this is the story it came out like this morning uh july 29th uh scarlett johansson sues disney over breach of contract uh for black widow release uh in a lawsuit filed thursday in los angeles superior court uh our attorneys for Johansson alleged that the star's contract was breached when the studio opted not to debut the film exclusively in theaters, a move they claimed to press ticket sales for the Avengers spinoff. Much of Johansson's compensation was tied to the box office performance of Black Widow. If it hit certain benchmarks, bonuses would kick in. So this right. is the issue. It's not necessarily the points on the back end. It's... At the way that these things are structured is that every threshold, every if it hits half a million dollars, if it hits a billion dollars, then there's a new incentive. Um, and they obviously have done that so that they can um, get out of paying people when shit underperforms. Um, right. 
But the lawsuit alleges that Disney intentionally induced Marvel's breach of the agreement without justification in order to prevent Miss Johansson from realizing the full benefit of her bargain with Marvel. Because these are, to to a certain degree, I mean, this is not new, right? I mean, uh, the, the... This is also interesting because this means that this is in potentially a contract that she signed with Marvel 10 years ago before Disney bought them. Um, I, right? I, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe not. But, like, the terms of... There's no way she's getting paid out for this, right? Because the technicality of... Well, we did debut it in theaters, and it broke box office records in its first weekend. It did really well, and then it, you know, notoriously, like, the box office receipts fell off after a weekend because everybody decided to just watch it at home. Yeah, well, here's here's what happened to Black Widow. So, uh, on July 9th, Black Widow set a pandemic-era box office record with with its $80 million debut in North America and earned an additional $78 million overseas. Which, to put in context, is a, a lot of money for, you know, post-pandemic. Yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah. It pulled in $60 million on Disney+. Plus. Ticket sales steeply declined in subsequent weeks and currently stand at $319 million globally, putting Black Widow on track to become one of the lowest-grossing Marvel movies of all time. And the second-week decline at the box office is, is so stark. So, like, you're seeing... In, in the box office right now, because this also happened to Space Jam, is people's, is the sort of the most unadulterated and genuine um, expression of people's interests in your film is in the first week. Because mm-hmm. those are the people who are going to see it no matter what. And that, like that's like your base. Like if you had to identify your base, it would be the people who bought tickets the first week your movie came out. And, because the second week declines have been like fucking 60, 70, 80% declines, which is mm-hmm. absurd because to be profitable movies, they usually come out. Obviously first week is the highest week. And then if you decline less than 50% in the second week, then you're like, okay, we have a hit. Uh, but it's, it's so much more than that right now. But people are both broke and not interested in going out to the movies. So like only at this point, only the absolute base is going to see this, and then everybody else is like, eh, whatever. Like, I'm the base for A24's The Green Knight. I've been waiting for this movie for, like, two and a half years. I'm seeing it opening day. We're going to talk about it next week. And then, but, you know, it's got The Green Knight, which is based on a medieval folktale, sort of, um, got pulled from a UK release. Like, that should be its base, of course, people in the UK want to see a movie based on the Green Knight. Yeah. And for COVID concerns, like, they're just pushing movies or not releasing them at all right now because it's too dangerous. And so, yeah, like, that makes sense that in COVID era, especially, it's always been the first weekend is the most important. But now you basically – you either see it day one or you just don't see it at all. You wait. Yeah. And so, but here's the, here was the bombshell uh, was that the what the Wall Street Journal apparently uh, was able to suss out it was that um, reporters uh, that that sources close to uh, Johansson estimate that the decision to release the film concurrently on Disney Plus resulted in 
$50 million in lost bonuses. So these were the bonuses for the benchmarks in the box office gross. Uh, she... So they, I guess they're doing like reverse engineering and be like, okay, this, it made $60 million on Disney+. Plus. If we assume that everybody who was going to watch it on Disney+, Plus or just about, would have just gone to see it in theaters. Is that true? Like, how many people wouldn't have... Probably, because if it was free on Disney+, Plus, you would have had a lot of people tuning in and be like, yeah, sure, well, I'll watch it. Well, that's probably but part... Because it's... They are, they're also doing the market analytics for similarly positioned films. So they're probably comparing the box office gross to, like, Wonder Woman 1 or to uh, the Ant-Man sure. movies. Like, to movies that have a similar scale to Black Widow and also to uh, July-based uh, summer releases. I mean, these okay. her attorneys... Are, are, this is fucking Scarlett Johansson, right? Like, they're going to do the because uh, they have to they have to figure out a way to prove that she lost out on 50 million dollars they have to figure out a way to prove conclusively uh to a judge or at least convincingly because they can't do it conclusively to a judge that this movie would have made whatever 700 million dollars all, all uh, internationally and not only that they're trying to prove malicious intent basically that like disney did this on purpose yeah, yeah, and uh, I, they're not going to be able to. I mean, no, there's no way. <laughs> yeah, I think that they probably. I I think you could probably figure out what Black Widow would have made. I mean, you could convince me, but could you convince a judge? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Hmm, that's really interesting. Well, here's what's so weird to me about this whole thing. Disney knew this was going to happen. Like they had to have known because they've had an entire year to watch WB shoot itself in the foot over and over again. Yeah. And, you know, we've already gone through this. WB paid Gal Gadot and uh, Patty Jenkins a bunch of hush money, and then they failed to pay hush money to other directors, and then Chris Nolan ripped them a new asshole, and then, you know, Villeneuve, what's his name? De- Denny Villeneuve. Yeah. yeah, that guy. Yeah. Uh, everybody, the enti- everybody involved in Dune pitch to fit and so like th- this suggests to me they saw all of that they have they can't have not seen it it was all over in the entertainment trade news a year ago and then decided to do nothing well my sense was that for patty jenkins and, and gal gadot it, it was that they gave them they essentially were like, this movie would have made probably this much, so we're going to give you your bonuses. Um, right. And what, what, is signi- what is significantly different, though, is the amount of skin in the game that they have, right? Because it was only their second film. And, I mean, everyone basically knows how these contracts are structured. You get, like, guaranteed money, which is, like, nothing at all. Uh, and you're, what you're essentially buying into is the long game so you're 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 getting paid probably less than a million dollars for gal gadot uh in because i mean what what had she done at that point the fast and the furious franchise like two of those movies um so probably not that much uh guaranteed but then some money on the back end and and some of those uh, box office bonuses and then the next movie you renegotiate, you get a little more on the front end, and then you probably get a lot more on the yeah. Uh, yeah a lot more on the back end, or at the very least comparable. Uh, 
And so it makes sense when their payout was like 10 million or whatever it was that on the second movie that would be their payout. So then it also, you know, makes sense that on Scarlett Johansson's 10th year of of making movies that her bonuses would be at, at around 50 million because there are yeah. renegotiations as part of these like contract renewals. So And significantly this is her last Marvel payday. Like, yeah. So she's trying to get as much of this out of it as she can before she leaves to do other things. Well, people um, are sick of this shit. She wants to have enough money to not to, she wants to have enough money to never make a decision to be in a Marvel movie again, right? Like right. that's she that's want to have to keep working out forever. <laughs> and, but that's like, what that's what Cheadle also is doing. Like Cheadle, I think, is also trying to get out because um, I I just watched his movie No Sudden Move, and how is that? It's fantastic. It's great. Uh, okay, it's cool. it's it looks sweet. It's just cool to see Soderbergh working with a you know a, a motley cast of 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 a listers to do a small movie like that's always fun uh and he's great it's a heist movie he's the king of heists um but Cheadle his his last couple of like uh, years of of his filmography are grim dude they're just all marvel shit he got to do his miles davis movie he got to do uh space jam and a bunch of marvel movies and then no sudden move. I mean, these actors are so tied up in this shit that when it's time to get out, like Downey Jr. did, you want to leave with five yachts. Like you right. want you want to leave with enough money to finance your next project. <laughs> you want to leave. Yeah, and that's what Junior. That's what Downey did. Like he traded yeah. all up. He's got a. He's he's got a venture capital firm investing in green energy and a production company making sweet tooth for netflix yeah and you know that is all marvel money that's what all these people are banking on is yes is to leave disney with a golden parachute so that they can then do whatever it is they want to do and she's you know uh, it, it does seem like quibbling over because she's absolutely made millions of dollars but it's significant 50 mil is massively significant she could finance an entire self-produced film with that if she wanted to yeah and that's the thing you got to think about like because at one level like i don't have a ton of sympathy for people who are making this much money except and like and some of it is like you know they have lifestyles they're they're sort of like you can think about like house flippers too where they make they pour so much money into their next thing that even though they're making a ton of money every time all of the money's tied up in their next project yeah. And you know, even beyond, like, their fancy lifestyles, that's not even what it's about. It's especially when you're an actor of this reputation, you be, your personal bank becomes, like, a production company. If you like, And that's what they all want to be doing, is becoming producers and making whatever their passion project is. And you need tens of millions of dollars to do that. And you're absolutely right. Like, they're trying to not... It's not about walking away with enough money to never have to work again. It's walking with enough money to produce your own thing. And that is, you need way more money to do that than you need to just live comfortably forever. That's it's interesting, yeah. Yeah. Did you see all those memes? This is slightly off topic of uh, Scarlett Johansson falling high distances in the Black Widow movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they. Um, that movie was weirdly obsessed with throwing her off of things and watching her like 
fall a lot. <laughs> yeah, and survive every time. What happened on Voromir or whatever? Yeah, right. <laughs> she just had she hit her quota or hit her limit, her ninth life of falling off of high, high places. Yeah, one of the uh, one Voromir of these by yeah by uh, by comparison doesn't seem like it's that far far of a fall. Honestly, it seemed like either of them could survive it. Um, <laughs> they needed to make it like there was like fucking uh, spikes, fire, yeah. and spikes and shit down there. Um, God, That's so funny. Yeah, yeah. But I wonder, like the so the skin in the game is different, and then the idea that well, we did give it a theatrical release, we just also put it on our streaming service. But you got what you asked for. There's no way she's gonna get wrecked. I mean, yeah, they're not they're not going to be able to. I don't think they're going to be able to prove uh, any type of like malicious intent. I and, and you know these courts are like su- like supremely pro business as well. Right, and that's the problem is the the deck is stacked against you. Yeah. Um, did you see? Well, what if I uh, let let me bank on the idea that you didn't see this. Uh, okay, and, and just send you a photo, and I want you to tell me who it is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so uh, rather than me seamlessly moving on to this topic, I'm going to clumsily Photoshop something in the background while we discuss <laughs> something else. Awesome. Love it. Excited about this now. Uh, build the anticipation. This is good storytelling. Um, so in the meantime, speaking of movies, uh, and speaking of, like, people being unable to take notes from other competing studios uh dc continues to be as confusing as absolutely possible bunch of set photos coming out from the flash film which appears to include at the very least ben affleck stunt double in a batman costume with a big motorbike um so that is now confirmed as being a thing that's happening that there were going to be a bunch of different batman in this and despite WB's insistence that thank you very much Zack Snyder don't let the door hit you on the way out we're done with that it's now unclear whether the Flash is designed to write out the Snyderverse or to clumsily sort of limp along with the Snyderverse but um, the Batgirl film which yeah, this is so interesting this film has been kicking around in development hell for like five years if you remember i don't know if you do about five years ago they announced a batman film batgirl film in development with joss whedon attached to write it i remember yeah yeah and that he left due to creative differences and then immediately got canceled yeah for being a dick well didn't he didn't he I, I'm, I, he, he famously said um I'm leaving because I don't I don't have a store a good story to tell. There just isn't a good story here to tell. And a bunch of people, including Gail Simone, I think, kind of like f- blew him up on Twitter about like, what do you mean there's no good Batgirl story to tell? You chauvinist asshole. Yeah, um, but he was yeah. also like, didn't he also go and do Justice League, make one of the worst movies of all time, and then suddenly kind of like disappear from <laughs> from the Batgirl yes. project? There was yes, also an element of it being like, oh, this guy is no good. <laughs> yeah, we can't we can't move forward with him. And so then it disappeared. And now HBO Max, they've um, 
been announcing the slate of projects that are going to be HBO Max specific, everybody seems to love the Suicide Squad film. Um, Peacemaker, as a spinoff to that, is going to be on there. Uh, Michael B. Jordan, of all people, is now completely tied up in producing a bunch of projects for HBO Max, one of which might be a Milestone uh, character, another of which is going to be one of the um, multiverse... Uh, I think its name is Val Zod. It's a black Superman from a different Earth, mm-hmm. and he may star in that. Unclear. So, but they're and I think there's got a Blue Beetle thing in development. But they're really trying to push superhero content on the platform, which I think is sweet. Um, obviously, it's not in any kind of like um, unified, clear plan the way marvel does because they just don't have a plan but if the plan is we're just going to keep making stuff and kind of wave our hand and say multiverse to not have to worry about it i don't mind that as a plan because it allows them some creative freedom to do whatever they want it's not necessarily as satisfying as like kang the conqueror explaining that everything's connected but whatever they're good films they're good films but the weirdest piece about this is so batgirl they re-announce essentially and announced casting, and then immediately cast extremely quickly. Like, um, there were a couple of women in, in consideration for the lead role, and then they snapped that up immediately, and I'll ask you about her in a second. But the other thing that's been announced is that J.K. Simmons, of all people, is back in, in negotiation to reprise his role as Commissioner Gordon, right. which he played in Zack Snyder's Justice League. So, what? <laughs> Is it just, like, they like him as an actor and it'll be a different version of Commissioner Gordon played by the same guy? Or is this Batgirl in the Snyderverse? I don't think that... Uh, yeah, I don't, what? Think, I don't think it matters. I think it's... I think it's also... I think that it has a lot to do with the... Um... Because people are reading into it like the Snyderverse lives on, right? Like there, there's a possibility that this thing is going to be resuscitated. Um, and these are dorks. These are people like you and I. As opposed to moviegoers who just remembered that J.K. Simmons was Commissioner Gordon. And, and they're just going to keep it there because you, you don't have to reintroduce him. I think that's an excellent point. Just, yeah, just familiarity. The simplest answer is, yeah. But I think that's a very good point. And the other thing is... The Snyderverse, like, this, we, we already know that, like, Zack Snyder's follow-up story, his idea for the rest of the Justice League arc, arc was stupid. And I don't want to see that. Right, um, yeah. Nobody does. But the Snyderverse is more of, like, a like a state of mind, like a, like a camera, like a color palette. And so I would much rather see J.K. Simmons continue to be Commissioner Gordon. I think he's great. But also have, like, colors in the Batgirl movie. <laughs> Not yeah. have it all be super, like, oversaturated. So that will really be a better sense of how much of the ethos of Zack Snyder's Justice League are they moving forward with, or are they just kind of reshuffling people and telling different interesting stories? Um, the writer attached to the Batgirl film, I think it was working on the Flash film as well. So at the very least, they seem to have a unified idea of a creative story vision for everything, I hope. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so tell me about this actress who's been cast as Batgirl. Because she was in The Heights, right? Uh, Well, I can tell you about her. her yeah, is she good? Well, you just told me everything that there is to know. She literally... 
debuted as an actress in In the Heights. That was her first movie. Her name is Leslie Grace. Uh, she's a singer, mostly. She's released a lot of music. Uh, uh, parents are Dominican. She grew up in the Bronx. Uh, she auditioned for In the Heights. She got it. And now she well, she went from one massive blockbuster to the next. So her movie career is off to a amazing start. I cannot I cannot know if she can do Batgirl because she uh, in the heights is a in the heights is a is a is a musical that separated between or, or that sort of told through two romantic relationships so you have the Usnavi and, and Vanessa relationship uh which is the main one and then you have the Nina and Benny relationship which is like the secondary relationship so all of Leslie Grace's scenes or with Benny, who's played by Corey Hawkins, who was a fantastic Yale-trained actor, I believe, uh, who was Dr. Dre and, and, and trained out of Compton. And so she's a fantastic... Oh, he's great. <laughs> yeah, so she, she's a fantastic singer, obviously, uh, and she's a fantastic uh, sort of like dramatic musical, dramatic performer uh, uh, of, of sort of like romance. And other than that, I don't know. I mean, I think that she must have crushed in the audition. I loved her in In the Heights, but I don't know because there's such a small sample size and you can't really <laughs> apply any of the things that she did in In the Heights to what she's going to be doing in Batgirl. What's her physicality like? I mean, there's dancing in the heights. Does she she's a fantastic smooth? dancer. Yeah, she's a fantastic okay. dancer. Yeah, she she can dance. She can sing. She's, a, she's like a fucking... Um, Triple threat. Triple threat, yeah. Uh, I she, I can see her. I mean, she's also very young. I mean, well, 26. So, yeah, very young. Um, she was very young when she was doing, like, her music career. Like, her, her shit was coming out when she was a, a teenager, like when she was like... Okay, like Ariana Grande style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff, yeah. Yeah, and she hasn't, she hasn't released an album in uh, a long time, but she's released, like, singles here and there. So, yeah, I don't know. She's a she's pretty much an unknown. Like this is gonna be, uh, this is like when they I can't think of an example. Jonathan Majors is kind of an example where they're like, let's not necessarily take a chance because we know this person is 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 good, but let's see if we can find a new star. I think that's the type of casting that they're doing here. Yeah. Um, well, good for her and good for them. And like I, there are. Me- I think incredible transferable skills in terms of being a sort of musical theater kid to the physicality that you need for this kind of superhero stuff. Yeah, for uh, sure. So much stage combat and choreography that you need to be able to hit your moves and hit the steps and hit the hit the poses, and that's definitely valuable. I, I think it's probably easier to do that than it is to go from like dramatic, you know, like uh, Death of a Salesman style <laughs> theater. The two. Uh, like superhero stuff yeah i wouldn't have honestly i wouldn't have watched batgirl i wouldn't have given a shit uh, unless like the casting totally flipped me on the on the whole project i was like now i gotta see it uh because i want to i want to know if she's gonna be the next big thing and i believe she can be I have I have very, I have very little evidence, <laughs> but I'm That's bullish sweet. on her. She's like, uh, she, it's like buying fucking Doge. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, not like that at all, actually. Given 
recent developments. Okay, so I sent you a photo. And if you've already right. seen it, then it doesn't matter. But I sent it to your email. Right. Okay, let me take a look. Oh, God. Yes, I did see this. <laughs> it's ter- that's terrifying. Um, yeah. Is this... This is Jared Leto looking like Alfred Hitchcock. Um, but he is playing, what, Gucci? I think he's Some playing the the, designer? Ma- the matriarch of the Gucci family. So this is for House of Gucci. Probably not the matriarch, given the massive mustache. Probably Sorry. The <laughs> well, you never know with him. I mean, maybe. <laughs> yeah, with Jared Leto especially, you never know. No, yeah, the patriarch of the Gucci family, I believe, is who he's playing. I don't know the person's name. Uh, this I is would like, hazard a guess that it's Gucci. I don't know his... F- I don't know... <laughs> I don't know anything. It's probably like Giovanni Gucci or something. Paolo Gucci, very close. Right. Uh, he, so he's playing Paolo Gucci. Uh, Lady Gaga is playing Patrizia Reggiana. Well, Adam Driver's playing Maurizio Gucci. Here's the thing. What the fuck is going on here? Why is Jeremy Irons Rodolfo Gucci? <laughs> Jeremy Irons has a long and storied history of playing Italians with not even trying an Italian accent. He was in um, a show about the Medici as the Pope for a while, and he just like didn't give a fuck about. Yeah, um, yeah. He just he just does the. He just sounds like Scar because he always sounds one way. Are, are these... um, I don't know why they continue to cast Jeremy Irons as, as an Italian guy. It's very funny. I think it's. I think it's fucked up. I think they should cast Italians in these roles. Is that crazy? Am I no, being, am I think I being you're a, right. a Columbus defender right now? Am I, <laughs> am I, am I being an no, Italian it, Day Parade guy? If, no, and I think, like, if you're going to get... If people are going to get up in arms about, you know, Aladdin casting, given that that man is not real, That's then I think there's probably a, um, you know, a legitimate bone to pick with like Jeremy Irons and Jared Leto um and I mean I don't actually don't know where Jared Leto is from like he could have be of Italian descent but like there are some fantastic it actually not Italian American but Italian actors doing Italian television that you could cast if you wanted to um yeah and it's like not a deal breaker but it's also weird it's like very weird I but the the sort of like pessimist in me who like understands now Lady Gaga looks Italian and I don't know if she is. No, I believe she is Italian. Um, yeah, yeah. Her last name is Germanata. Yeah, like that nose. She's definitely Italian. So like, I don't have a problem with her, but especially doing something like Gucci. The 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 pessimist in me that understands sort of like the racial politics of those like. Uh, of, of like Italy and Spain and shit like that, and even in Latin America, uh, I feel like these absolutely rich, grossly rich socialites in Italy are like fucking so happy that white people are playing them in these movies. <laughs> yeah, no, you're probably right. Uh, that like they were whitewashing them even farther to then make they sure they whitewash like, themselves. Yeah, exactly. Ugh gross yeah but i mean this movie looks absolutely uh terrible but um there what's the story well so you I don't, don't you don't know this like the uh, well th- th- i i confuse this story right because 
This is based on a book called The House of Gucci, A Sensational Story of Murder, Madness, Glamour, and Greed. So there apparently was some shit happening. I thought... I was I like that was like the murder of Versace. That's there like that's what I thought. The, yeah. So Darren yeah. Chris was in a movie where he played a guy who murdered, uh, uh, I believe his name is Giovanni Versace, uh, at at his house. And I was like, I guess there was just a fucking uh, epidemic of murdering fashion icons and designers in I mean they're all Italian fashion houses. It's entirely possible this is like Romeo and Juliet style ancient vendetta oh. and they're just gonna and you know just you know rivalries in the fashion world and it seems very like old school italian to um randomly murder somebody because you didn't like what they were wearing <laughs> okay hold on wait let me okay hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on i got i made them i got I, I might have to issue a mea culpa to the to the reggiani and the gucci family because there is a section on wikipedia called reggiani's and gucci family's responses uh hold on oh Do, are they upset that white people are i them? haven't read it we're gonna find out together <laughs> so at january 2021 during an interview with italian magazine novella 2000 patricia reggiani approved that gaga would portray her and commented she immensely likes her saying she's a genius Okay. Yeah, I mean, I would love to have Gaga play me in a film. She's great. Yeah, okay. So, let's continue. However, uh-oh. <laughs> uh, here here comes the here comes the the bullet. However, in March, Reggiani gave an interview to the uh, National Agency of St- uh, who, who, I don't know what the fuck this is. Uh, where she stated she was annoyed that Gaga had not contacted her to meet her and claimed that, quote, it is not an economic question. I won't get a cent from the film. It is a question of good sense and respect. Mm-hmm. Huh. Later that month, uh, that's such an Italian, by the way, a yeah. mo- mom thing yeah. to say. <laughs> yeah. She, she, she really is. She, she doesn't call. She doesn't write. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She didn't come and have pot, like she didn't come make uh, let me make dinner for her. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Later that month, it was confirmed that the producers did not want Gaga to meet her, and they were quote so weird aware of not wanting to endorse or support the awful crime she committed. What happened? What? Oh my God! (laughs) Saying Gaga had watched much footage and many documentaries and read books about her life. Okay. Well, I mean, this is so. Is she like talking from prison? Is this is she Hannibal Lecter? What is happening? This is so typical of our show where we like don't know anything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we don't know. Going on a, a ride together here. Anything? Okay, so uh, pa- Patricia Gucci, who is Mauricio Gucci's second cousin, that is also so Italian, like that they had a relationship at all. Like, who knows <laughs> their second cousin? Uh, told the Associated Press, in the name of the Gucci family, they were, quote, truly disappointed by the movie. Here's a long quote. They are stealing the identity of a family to make a profit, to increase the income of the Hollywood system. Jesus Christ. These are people who have... These are these are yeah, people... The Gucci's are concerned about this? These are people who are so out of touch. They have no idea what's good like this is this is the hollywood systems whole shit as we steal your story it's our story now and we tell it the way we want to tell it 
fuck you, you rich pricks. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's how Hollywood works. It's always worked that way. Uh, she added, quote, our family has an identity, privacy. We can talk about everything, but there is a borderline that cannot be crossed. Uh, according to Gucci, the three central concerns of the family are the lack of contact with Ridley Scott, the alleged inaccuracies in the book on which the film is based, and the casting... Oh, this doesn't make any sense. The casting of high-profile actors to play people who weren't connected with the murder. What? You'd prefer the high-profile actors be portraying the people who are connected to the murder? I think it means high-profile characters. I think, like, I think it's saying, like, I don't know anything about this, but I'm, I think it's saying, like, Aldo Gucci wasn't even involved in this. Like, okay. the, yeah, like, the, the, this cousin was famous, you know, for, in, in, for making clothes, but he was, had nothing to do with this, but you just want to put him in here because he was an important figure of Gucci. That's probably what that means, right? Probably. I'm curious to see, like, is this movie, first of all, what murder? But beyond that, <laughs> yeah, like, God, hold on, it? hold on, hold yeah. on. We got to figure this out. We got to figure this out. But, you know, this if this out. is like a story of the family's whole sort of rise to fame and glory um, and Rick Ross lyrics or whatever, um, that's fine. Like, maybe it's, it's like a family saga and the murder is sort of um, a piece of it but isn't the central concern of the film. Right. This seems to be like, are we, this is like a subgenre. You know, they just did the thing with Ewan McGregor on Netflix, the whole Donatella Versace, that other, there's like a series recently. Mm. It seems like they're trying to pump out fashion house intrigue shows. It's because that's what, that's what everyone's wearing right now, because the fucking culture is cyclical and comes out back every 50 years. Like, people are, people are now like rocking these styles of clothes and love watching period pieces set in this like mid-century shit or like sure. very soon after like mid-century shit um yeah i mean i love mid-century modern it's beautiful yeah great style well so here okay so hold on uh, uh patricia gucci to close the book on her also said that the Gucci family will decide what their next course of action will be after watching the completed film. Here's the important piece. They don't know anything because the movie's not done. Uh, it's not it's so weird. It's not done. And it's also not involved. Just, they're not involved at all. Yeah. Because That's so strange. Like these people are still alive. Well, so here's the, here's the thing is that they don't have to be because it's based on a book and mm-hmm. the studio owns the book. Uh, Universal right. owns the rights to the IP. So they don't need to involve them. And and the the other thing about Ridley Scott, and I, I can see why they would be like, well, why is Sophia Loren in this? And why is, uh, you know, why are all these people involved in this if, if this is a story that's between uh, Patricia Reggiani and Mauricio Gucci? Uh it's because it's Ridley Scott. If you've ever seen any of his biopics, they're three hours long. There's a billion characters, mm-hmm. <laughs> and a lot of it is anathema to the plot. Uh, but they're also yeah, his, like his good whole, his movies. His whole shit is like, yeah, his whole shit is like give you a slice of life of put all of the famous people in the same room. Yeah, hold on. So here's and, and this is very uh, a short uh, entry on Patricia Reggiani, so we can read this. Uh, and figure out together what she did. 
Um, so, uh, her maiden name, Martin Natalie, she, uh, is the ex-wife of Mauricio Gucci. During the 1980s, she was married to Gucci. She was an affluent Italian socialite and high fashion personality. In late 1998, Martinelli went through a scandalous trial followed closely by the Italian public for ordering her ex-husband's murder. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Mob wow. shit. Okay, cool. So, uh, blah, 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 Okay. Uh, uh, in 1991, okay, so on, uh, on, 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 Telling her he was going on a short business trip. He never returned home. Jesus. Uh, in 1991, the couple officially divorced. As part of the settlement, Reggiani collected the equivalent of $500,000 annual alimony. Uh, in 1992, she was diagnosed with a brain tumor, which was removed without any negative consequences. That's great. On uh, March 27, 1995, her ex-husband was shot and killed by a hitman. Take a took a weird turn. Took a weird <laughs> turn. This sentence. This paragraph is very strangely written. Uh, hired by her on the steps outside his office as he arrived at work the day he was killed. Reggiani wrote a single word in her diary: uh, "Paradisios," the Greek word for paradise. Jesus Christ. That's very hardcore. Okay. Um, yeah. Sounds like a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> how is this this is the first time they've made a movie about this how is that possible this happened 30 years ago yeah i mean 30 years is like about the right amount of time right you know we're not Why? making no the italian the people the italian cinema fuck this they should have been making movies about this a year after it happened yeah i mean the italians especially probably would but oh, man. Uh, it would have taken this long for hollywood to hear about it <laughs> wait let let, uh, let let me read this this part about her trial and incarceration because it it ties some things together so on january 31st uh, 1997 uh, reggiani was arrested and accused of hiring a hitman to murder her ex-husband mauricio gucci by the way what's that trial what's that uh charge called of hiring a hitman <laughs> Like, oh, I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> uh, the trial garnered intense immediate interest with the press calling her the Black Widow. Cool. <laughs> According Scarlett Johansson must be upset. Yeah, she's pissed. Uh, also, she's in this movie, isn't she? No. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> no, I, I, I just assumed since everybody's in it. Uh, according to prosecutors, Reggiani's motive was a mixture of jealousy, financial reasons, and resentment toward her ex-husband. Uh, they argued she wanted control over the Gucci estate and prevent her ex-husband from marrying his new partner, Paola Franchi. The impending marriage would have cut her alimony in half. Huh. And the hitman was a debt-ridden pizzeria owner named uh, Benedetto Serralo. That sounds like the guy that Jared Leto should be playing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, because he is kind of, yeah, he does look like a, he does look like a Italian pizza delivery guy, or, or pizzeria <laughs> owner. Yeah. Yeah, he looked like he, he would ride around a bike in Italy. Uh, she was sentenced to 29 years in prison for arranging the killing. 
And apparently another part of the story is that they think the brain tumor may have affected her personality. So this is like, there's some meat on this bone. This is like, that's cool. Yeah. Gaga's going to have a lot of fun with this role. Wait, so does that mean she like just got out of prison? Um, so she, with credit, she was released in October, 2016 after serving 18 years. Um, and she was awarded an, an annuity, uh, from Gucci's estate and back payments um, from her time in prison. Yeah, because she did get the alimony, uh, but obviously she couldn't receive it while she was in jail. Wow. That's wild. Wild. And yeah, she wasn't in prison. Gaga could have could have visited her. Yeah. But I mean, if you were playing a, a you know a convicted murderer who was alive, would you want to go sit with them? I don't know. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, probably. You got to do that research. <laughs> I mean, it depends. It depends on like who they killed and why. Like, I don't necessarily. I don't know. Like, if Gaga does a bad job of this, <laughs> is this lady gonna try to order her death? I heard Jeff Daniels talk about this. Uh, I, I can't remember who he was playing, but he he was playing like a historical figure, and he was like. And the person was alive, and he didn't want to meet him because he didn't want to his performance to devolve into mimicry. Because hmm. it's like we're actors, and what we're doing is never going to be a, a a a an exact perfect reproduction of this person and their life. Rather, what we have to do is confined by the the story we're trying to tell and the emotions and the mood that we're trying to hit and so what i need is a core sense of who this person is which i can get from reading books and shit about them and then an understanding of what the film wants this person to be which are not often the same thing yeah that's a good point because especially because you got this is based on a book that universal owns the rights to they're not playing the actual people. They're playing characters from a book that happen to be based on the actual people. And the fact that the actual people are still alive is... It's, it's separate. You know, they're variant multiverse characters at that point. Right, um, yeah. It's still valuable probably to watch the documentary footage. And I, I would be interested to sit with a person just to kind of get a sense for how they move and their physicality. I think that's valuable. But also, they're older. And so it might actually be more valuable to watch the way they move... 30 years ago on film if you're yeah. playing them 30 years ago it might not be particularly useful i don't know it, it's an interesting question the the um <laughs> the, the but the question that i had that, that started this whole thing off with, by sending you the jared leto picture is how many actors in hollywood and just like in italy are there who could have played this role why who also look like that already that's He's what I'm gone saying. through like, so much makeup. Like, there's so many just, like, random pizzeria dudes that look like that already. <laughs> well, that's not who he's playing. <laughs> I know, but, like, the, he looks in that photo like he could own a pizzeria as well. <laughs> yeah, he looks like a guy. He looks like a guy who's definitely uh, wiping down a counter furiously. Yes. Uh, <laughs> when you walk in a store. But I don't understand this whole transformation thing. I he i think he's the only one still doing this also i think it's become like i think it's become a joke at this point and that he doesn't yeah, realize right. that he's on the butt end of he and christian bale are the only two people still doing it no and christian, christian bale, bale stopped like, because he was fucking up his health 
He was like, I well, can't right, keep... but like, yeah, yeah, he would have. But and it was. I remember. I remember listening to um, Tom Hardy actually, uh, an interview after. Like his knees are all fucked up from playing Bane because he kept you know, yeah. he put on a bunch of weight and like he kept and he was did that and Bronson and the warrior maybe like some yeah, the, the movie. mma movie yeah the mma movie and he was like fluctuating weight back and forth so much and doing some some you know really hardcore training and just wrecked his his whole body and yeah you yeah, mess up everything when you do that you mess up your metabolism yeah, yeah you mess up everything yeah and christian bale finally had to stop doing it for that same reason and so um yeah i mean there was this like 10 to 15 year period of that that was you had to gain 50 pounds or lose 50 pounds to really get into the swing of things and there was a certain amount of um cachet in that and i think that's over now and i think that's probably good and you can just do a lot of that with makeup like i'm assuming you know a lot of jared jared leto's performance there there are some really good prosthetics involved there too Mm -hmm. but um or you could just hire an italian guy who looks like that (laughs) well jared leto's whole thing is is so infuriating because it's because the reason that he has to undergo a transformation is because he looks so young, which is such a dickhead thing. Like I'm so young, I'm fifty, but I'm I look so like too I'm pretty. T- twenty, yeah. yeah. <laughs> fuck, you know, fuck off. Let an actual fifty-year-old play this role. You fuck. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh uh, man. God, so stupid. But I'm now uh, talking through this. Who knows? Uh, uh, whether or not anybody was interested in this besides us, I now really want to see this movie. Yeah, I really want to see this movie. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I am on the edge of my seat for this thing to come out now. I was just like, I kind of wish we didn't do it because there's the there spoiler was there, but I needed to know what happened in order to get this jazzed. And this cast is great. And Ridley, I don't know when the last time he did one of these big biopics is. Um, probably recently because he makes a billion movies. Uh, I guess all the money in the world was like something of a biopic. Uh, yeah, but the the one that I remember I loved was uh, a- American Gangster, and mm-hmm. I was always like waiting for his next movie and being like, why doesn't he do it? Why doesn't he go back to that American gangster shit? Because the movie he does after that is Body of Lies, which he does with Leonardo DiCaprio, which is a terrible movie. I was, and continue to be obsessed with Leonardo DiCaprio, but that hap- that came out uh, when we were in college somewhere and there was a movie theater on that college campus somewhere in the world that played that for free, Body of Lies. Mm. And I went to see it at that uh, movie theater, and it sucked. Um, <laughs> the movie that came after that was Robin Hood, which sucked. Uh, then Prometheus, which was fantastic, which me... Uh, we have a difference of opinion on that. Uh, I love that movie, and I loved Alien Covenant. When he revisited the whale on Alien, I was all in. Then he did a movie called The Counselor, which I'd never heard of, that has Michael Fassbender, Penelope Cruz, Cameron Diaz, Javier Bardem, and Brad Pitt. What is this movie? Oh, I remember, like, bizarre posters for that film with, like, Penelope Cruz on the hood of a car with a cat. Like a leopard or something. Sure. Uh, I didn't see it. Yeah. It was written (laughs) by... It was written by Cormac McCarthy, who was the... 
that you know the famous American yeah. author. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like dark and upsetting because it's a Carmack McCarthy story, and there's like people being terrible to each other. But we should probably watch it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then he did Exodus, Gods and Kings. Then he did The Martian. Then Alien Covenant. Then All the Money in the World. Then The Last Duel, and now House of Gucci. This man's filmography is schizophrenic. Like it's nuts. The Martian's great. Did The Last Duel come out already? Or is oh, that's coming out now. The Last Duel is coming out in September. Uh, in it's got Ven- Matt Damon with a mullet. Yeah, Matt Damon, uh, who is right now, I think, I think he's realized that he, he's in his sunset years and he needs that acting Oscar. Mm-hmm. So he's he's doing historical dramas. He's doing like uh, Americana, you know, like working class role like he's doing all of these typical oscar roles because he wants that damn oscar so bad um he's not like you know affleck who i I think at this point has just quit on on that on that journey uh and who wants the director oscar more than he wants the acting oscar um but i think he saw brad pitt win the oscar for once upon a time in hollywood after all those years and yeah, he and he's like, like, "Oh, I, I still have a chance. I still have time, but it's it's fading." Yeah, and also he was like, "Man, I want that moment." <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. The jury's still out for me on Matt Damon. That guy is, uh, 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 that guy. I don't know. Inconsistent, he, perhaps. He, he says no. He uh, he just says some shit. There was that. Clip oh, of, like him as a person. Yeah, yeah, he's. I never know. Like especially with the Stillwater movie he's doing, which feels exploitative and dangerous somehow like it's a movie about american like mega xenophobia and is also like exploiting the real life death of a woman overseas in italy it makes me uncomfortable um but yeah he'll say some real dumb shit yeah yeah he'll say some i mean like that is the typical massachusetts harvard educated liberal like that's exactly who he is like a yep. like a true dipshit sometimes like just a straight up dumb fuck yeah where he like seems reasonable and and then like says some really regressive like conservative nonsense yeah that, that he obviously heard from like <laughs> i don't know a guy that runs a sandwich shop <laughs> right who only 12. listens to joe rogan <laughs> in the sandwich <laughs> shop yeah. uh well is there anything else i think that's it yeah, um, that's what oh, this last... show was going to be. That was our plan the whole time was to find out about the murder of Mauricio Gucci. <laughs> yeah, uh, better late than never. Um, one, so actually, one thing I'll do. I might come back to this as I watch some more of this. The show that came and went a couple of years ago, uh, which was the first ever American adaptation of a Korean drama, or not a Korean drama, a Korean daytime television show. And the it was called Grandpa's Over Flowers was the Korean name of the show. And um, it, I think it's Korean, maybe it's Japanese. In any case, the American version is called um, Better Late Than Never. And the idea is to get some basically past their prime personalities together to do something. And so the American version has the Fonz. I um, can't remember that. Henry Winkler is his name. Uh, George Foreman, um, okay. the uh, shoot Terry, the white guy, f- the white football guy who's on all of the pregame shows. Terry Bradshaw. Um, 
Terry Bradshaw, yep, and William Shatner. Yeah. And they, the four of them go traveling together with, like, a guy to deal with their logistics and their baggage and just go and experience, um, you know, other cultures and are goofballs about it. And the first episode, they go to Japan, and William Shatner knows everything about Japanese cuisine, and Terry Bradshaw is, like, freaking out. And um, it's very funny and very odd. And it's um, it's kind of adorable, and, you know, it's, like, sort of embarrassing because, you know, they're, they're like, your sort of, like, vaguely racist grandfather. Um, <laughs> not, and But it's interesting to kind of see them reminiscing and talking about you know, reflecting on their careers and uh, having new experiences, and it's it's cute. And like, there's not as much representation of older people in um, in media, and like, you should just get you know, William Shatner to play and some old Gucci guy or something. Yeah, he could <laughs> absolutely play that Jared Leto role. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there was that movie back in the day. This reminds me of called Last Vegas. Did, did you yes. did you see that one? I did not, but it's that same idea of. Uh, but then that was like the the beginning of De, of what um, De Niro doing literally anything. Well, n- no, I think this was like this was. I I liked. Wait, this did this movie one have Michael for, Caine? No, so this one was they they got four like heavy hitters it was michael douglas robert de niro morgan freeman and kevin klein oh right i love kevin klein yeah and it was like a it was like a uh kind of like a bucket list type movie like that that jack nicholson movie but it was like Mm -hmm. they're older guys and they go to las vegas to have a bachelor party for their uh the, their their single friends um, who's still single even though they're you know older guys and like retirees essentially uh, and it it's it's sweet it's like uh, it's a movie you don't see often about uh, older guys who are friends and yeah that is a a very it's like a very simple plot um, but you just don't see it that often yeah it's nice and that's kind of the energy you get from this better late than never. Um, it's cool to see how their personalities mash, mesh and clash. Um, and, you know, uh, William Shatner has, you know, said a bunch of really dumb bullshit on social media, unfortunately, and has, you know, has been kind of a regressive jerk. Has, he, got, has he gotten all anti-vaxxed up? Like, what is he saying? Not anti-vaxxed, but he's like, he's very much, um, I don't know if he's specifically anti-trans, but he's certainly, you know, like, I don't understand newfangled pronouns. Um, and he oh has, he's always had um, a history of being kind of a jerk. Um, he was, you know, uh, Will Wheaton specifically has a lot of stories about him being mean because they crossed paths, you know, while Next Gen was being filmed and the uh, Star Trek, the original Star Trek movies were being filmed and he was just, he was just mean. Um, and it's just, it's unfortunate. He, it's funny because, um, the, the, the joke is that Leonard Nimoy and Spock would have really gotten along and William, William Shatner and Kirk would have beaten up William Shatner in a parking lot. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. That sucks. And it, it also is, cause I've heard those industry stories. It, it also boggles the mind that, uh, 
a guy like Leonard Nimoy could just remain collegial with William Shatner. Like, all the people that came in William, William Shatner's orbit who are, like, legends, yeah. like James Spader in Boston Legal. Like, how did they deal with this fucking guy? Because he's, like, totally just eccentric and shitty and, like, a Chevy Chase type behind the mm-hmm. scenes. And, but usually with Chevy, it's like, he gets fired. <laughs> right. They kick him off the set. But I don't know. I guess there's something about Bill Shatner that's he's he obviously is legendary and he's good at what he does. But that can't keep excusing shitty behavior. Like no, Walking Phoenix and, and those guys, they need to figure it out. Yeah, you need to ju- you need to just do better. And you know, it's funny that luckily the legacy of Kirk will outlive Shatner because the 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 role he portrayed is so much more it's progressive and kind and like Kirk the character is a really decent human being and part of the foreground of this really decent good vision of the future and I think part of people's misinterpretation of Kirk as like a Lothario and a creep is I mean due to like Futurama of in many cases but also due to the fact that William Shatner, the person, is a creep. <laughs> right. But Kirk, the character, was, you know, is is actually a, a, a reasonable role model. So, you know, it's it's nice that he built something that inspired a generation of people that can't be tarnished by his own bad behavior. Yeah, yeah. That's like, uh, there are so many examples of, le- like, James Wood's whole filmography. Right. Yep. I mean, yeah. I, you 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 can't not watch Videodrome because this guy is going off on some MAGA shit on Twitter, and also it's like he he was weird. He was like Hades in the voice of Hades in the Hercules animated movie. Mm-hmm. Like James Woods has been in some shit that people have seen and that love, uh, and he hasn't acted in a minute now. And I wonder what came first. Was it? the losing all the jobs and then becoming MAGA or or did he lose the jobs because he was nuts (laughs) yeah I have no idea um yeah yeah, because Roseanne did not (laughs) Roseanne had to really go out of her way to get fired because when they brought her back to do the the reboot of Roseanne she was fully in her bag on that MAGA shit like mm-hmm. she was all the way deep on the conspiracies, she was all the way deep on like, like bonkers, like fringe conspiracies, like QAnon shit, and they brought her back to do Roseanne, and it wasn't until one of these like Twitter rants crossed the line that they fired her. So there's always that thing about persecution of these like conservative actors. I I think that maybe it's the other way around. Like they just kind of fall out of favor. James Woods doesn't doesn't get particularly better in his career. He he gets sort of like, eh, we're good on you. And then he just goes bonkers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there might be, if they've already got the predisposition to be paranoid, and then they're massive egomaniacs anyway, and they need constant approval and attention, and then they don't get it anymore, and it breaks them. And then you know, fascism is waiting to, to with open arms. <laughs> that's fucking so dark. <laughs> if that's if that's a person's career, like life trajectory, <laughs> it's like uh, I, 
I sort of, uh, my career petered out, and, uh, I turned to fascism. And <laughs> I became a Nazi. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's, I'm being glib, but it's also true. Like, that's how that ideology works, right? Like, it, it yeah. seeks out weak-willed, weak-minded, sad, broken people, and it offers them a, an illusion of power. Yeah, people who feel they've been wronged. Yeah. And... It, it, it is stokes your paranoid delusions of persecution and then offers you this like magical thinking way of revenge. Well, it's the it's the entire like uh, paradox of the boomers of the uh, of the MAGA boomers where it's like the boomers are the only generation in history who got well, specifically white boomers mm-hmm. Be- because African-American boomers is a whole different story. But like with white boomers had every advantage in life like federally insured like the suburbs were created for them like no down payment 30 year fixed interest rate insured by the government lovely house beautiful two and a half kids dog everything social security benefits retirement everything like working working class jobs or semi-skilled jobs and that being enough to cover your mortgage and your essentials and also to pay for vacations and highways were built while you were a kid learning how to drive and by the time you were 20 there were highways connecting every major city in the united states and the boomers are the most spoiled generation in history who are also the absolute worst who feel like they have been persecuted Trump is a boomer. That's yep. like all you need to know. <laughs> it's like yeah, we've been and given everything. <laughs> and that persecution comes from the world was literally reconstructed in their image. And as soon as the spotlight began to shift at all off of it being their show all the time, they felt persecuted because they'd never known what it was like to have it any other way. Yeah, that's crazy. Can you imagine growing up as the world is shifting to accommodate you? <laughs> you can't because like no, it's having the we, ex- we opposite way. Up, yeah, exactly. Because we 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 only know the exact opposite of watching the world shifting away from us. <laughs> of just watching, just like of honestly, of watching boomers just ruin the world out of spite, so yep. that they can hand us a piece of shit back. Yep, and go. Here, fuck you. What a way to end the show. Uh, <laughs> that'll do it for this episode of Is It Just Bad? Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Is It Just Bad? Email us at It's Just Bad at gmail.com. Follow the cosmologist on Instagram at Sergeant Bucky Red's SGT Bucky Bear. And you need to do this follow because the con season is right around the corner. But we got some things in the pipe. And follow Maul on Mad Maul Cosplay as well. We'll see you in the next one. Bye. Is this just bad? Bad? It's like what pirates forge your brain, robbing knowledge, no joking. Opening your mind with a crowbar till you're woken, hitting Hydra, hailing hairs, and for time for hella reasons. We're more than winter soldiers, with the men for all seasons. Listen closely while we share our expertise in cosmic comics culture. Dean is free tuition to the multiversity. Mouse is like we're teaching perfect balance when we snap infinite gems into your ears. Dust our shoulders when we speak. Purple men persuasive feet. Or Randy Savage rattles with their mortal technique. Ooh. Hey guys.
guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.